This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hi, I'm Darren Neely, the creator of Chase Man Bolt, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 469 of The Two-Headed Nerd, (laughs) Stop That, comic book podcast. My name is Matt Baum. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Each week we discuss Wednesday's new comics, comic book movies, TV news, and, of course, stick our heads into the filthy toilet bowl of the Internet to find all the ugly, stinky rumors swirling down the pipe. That's really gross. Joe? It's a metaphor. There's a lot going on this week, including yet another format change. What the hell is wrong with these ADD motherfuckers? I know what you're thinking here, but... It's for the best, okay? We're going back to basics, and I spelled basics wrong. Baskets. News, reviews, cover to cover, and the return of the rotating segment. Plus, whether Joe likes it or not, we've got a whole new home for cover to cover. But more on that later. Right now, it's time to get into it. December is here. It's Star Wars and War on Christmas season, and damn it, Joe, it's time to talk about this week's Nerd News! Because there's a movie coming out. The New Mutants are back. Yes. A new limited series entitled New Mutants Dead Souls uh. has been announced from writer Matthew Rosenberg and artist Adam T. Gorham. I don't know him. Oh, he's good. Okay. With covers by Ryan Stegman. He's good. Yes. The mini launches in March, and it runs six issues. In the series, former New Mutant Karma will bring together Magic, Wolvesbane, Strong Guy, what? Boom Boom, what? and Richter. What? To combat a supernatural threat, but Karma may be hiding a dark secret. Each issue will focus on a different member of this new team. Hashtag not my new mutants. <laughs> I love, okay, I love Strong Guy. I love Boom Boom. I love Richter. Why are they on this team? Richter was involved with the new mutants, wasn't he? No, no. Richter came out of X-Force. That's where they found him. That's not where they found him. Yeah. No, he was man. in X-Factor. They, he, they, he was an X-Factor. They discovered him in X-Factor, and he ended up in X-Force. Was he a fallen angel? No, that wasn't Richter. That was Rusty Skids. That was Rusty and Skids, and Boom Boom was there. Richter was not there. He had not okay. been created yet. I just don't get it. I mean, fine. If it's good, it's good, and that's fine. But where's Sam? You know? Sam's wh- where's Cannonball? Sam's in, in Avengers. Sam Moore? He yeah. hasn't been there for a while. Yeah, no, they're in USA Avengers. Yeah, that just ended this month. Uh, but last ep- I mean, they're Avengers, issue. Matt. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, Cannonball and Sunspot, they're Avengers now. I know, but they're not around, is all I'm saying. And I don't know if they still are. They are around. They're just not in a book that you read. <laughs> That's not the same thing. I don't think they're currently in any books now that US Avengers is done. That book literally just ended yes. this week. And this book comes out in the future. Right, but they're doing that all three Avengers book weekly crossover thing. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Remember? We reported on it. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, I mean, I agree. It's not a conventional New Mutants team, but I love Strong Guy. I love Richter. I do, too. I don't care. I think that I like all these characters. You're okay with New Mutants without Danny Moonstar? Danny Moonstar is not a constant presence in any comics ever. She was a constant presence there. She led the team for a while and stuff. For a while? I love her. 
Look, I think it's going to be fine. I it's hope got so. a, I hope it's got so. a supernatural bent, which of course is like probably echoing the movie. Of course. But I mean, am I wrong? Didn't the New Mutants go against supernatural stuff a lot? No, they did. I mean, they fought like the Demon Bear and stuff like that. Like I Belasco mean, and yeah, there and was always that, that because magic was there. So she was there. You always had like stuff from Limbo causing problems and demons. And she even like Doctor Strange showed up to help him with stuff. A lot. So, yeah. yes, they did deal with the supernatural a lot. It, I never thought of it as a horror book. No, 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 not a horror you know, book. But definitely- and they, they did not describe this as a horror book, just right. that they are combating a supernatural right. menace. Matthew Rosenberg, mm-hmm. I love him, up and comer. He wrote Four Kids Walking to a Bank, which yep. was my one of my favorite books of the year. Um, Adam Gorham drew that image series, The Violent. Oh, okay. And I think he also has been drawing uh, Rocket, the solo Rocket Raccoon book. Okay. Um, he's very good. So I'm excited for this creative team. I understand it's a little weird. Yeah. But look, I like these characters. Give them back to me. Uh, This week in the letters page of X-Men Blue number 13, the editor teased two new upcoming X projects. I'm not sure if this is one of them. I think they said that they were going to be ongoings. Is X-Men Red one of those? Well, they already announced X-Men Red, so I don't know. I mean, I guess. Um, They said it was going to be one one kind of new idea and one featuring the return of a beloved character. That's not Jean Grey? Wolverine. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Jean. Yeah, I think it's- Well, I don't think Jean's going to get her own solo book. No, but she's going to be leading X-Men, X-Men Red. Red. That's what leads me to believe that. But they that already that, announced that is what I'm saying. I know, but Marvel's already done that too. Remember when they were going to blow the whole internet up and they were like, business as usual. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I They're doing something with Wolverine. They put out some teasers about um, Wolverine has one of the Infinity Stones which we saw in Marvel Legacy one-shot. Oh, maybe he can fart old man Wolverine out of continuity. Maybe. Be that would be nice. <laughs> like, um, fart. And he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need two. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, we're digressing. Yeah. Uh, New Mutants. You know what? We're both going to read it. Who are we kidding? Yeah, and I want it to be good, and I do love the New Mutants, and I've been saying for years now, make them X-Men. Stop it. They're grown up. Make them X-Men. Well, I mean, they're not called the Teen Mutants, so. I know. Joe Patrick, good news. The fan favorite Justice League animated series and its follow-up, Justice League Unlimited, ended over 10 years ago. Damn, really? That's not the good news. But many fans who love the series have never stopped hoping for a reunion of some kind. Now the demand for revivals sparked up again thanks to a tweet from a fan account that prompted retweets and support from several Justice League Unlimited cast members. See, Twitter is not just used to start nuclear wars. Right. Speaking to The Hollywood Reporter, legendary Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy said, quote, who is basically the voice of my Batman. He is Batman. Period. I'm often at Comic-Cons across the country where I get to interact with the audience, and a frequently asked question is why there hasn't been a Justice League animated movie. There's a large and loyal fan base there that you'd think the studio would want to tap into. To me, it is a, quote, no-brainer. Michael Rosenbaum, Flash actor, added the quote, why was it prematurely canceled? That always baffled me. I never understood that either because it seemed like at the time, Justice League Unlimited They was were riding high. Big time. Yeah. And I think what happened was there were some DC changes where they said, we want to move more to direct DVD. Uh, but those direct to DVD movies never lived up to no. that standard of that no. show. I don't and care how good they may or may not be individually. No, not to mention the fact that DC jumped on the direct to DVD crap just after DVD sales had been legally pronounced dead like (laughs) (laughs) they stopped shocking the body they backed everyone off the crying hadn't even started yet you know it's just like 
Everybody, everybody that just bought their new machines was still kind of quaking. Yeah, there's now there's a similar social media campaign that led to the revival of DC's animated series Young Justice, which will receive a third season in 2018, five years after its 2013 cancellation. Why can this happen for Young Justice and not Justice League Unlimited? I think it can. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you can do this with Young Justice, which really was a cult show, like, it was big back in the day, but bringing something like that back shocks me. And there's no reason they couldn't do Justice League Unlimited. Well, and frankly, Young Justice was the best thing DC Animated did Absolutely. after canning Justice League. Absolutely. Um, because... It was so great and close in tone to the comics, um, separate from the Tim universe, clearly stylistically, right? But still, so wonderful. There's a reason why it stood the test of time, and fans brought it back because it's quality. Nobody's yes. like, "Where's the sequel to that Green Lantern directed DVD movie I've always wanted?" Yeah, nobody wants that oh, shit. Man, I want to see more of that Batman Killing Joke animated. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> no. no. And yeah, and the fact that like. All of the all of the voice actors, Susan Eisenberg, who voiced Wonder Woman, Phil Lamar, who voiced Green Lantern, he said, if fans actually want to see a Justice League reunion movie, they should continue to make their voices heard, saying, quote, executives tend to look for the biggest, shiniest new thing, not the best, most loved old thing. Oh, absolutely. Until someone proves that there's an audience for it. Yes. And that's what happened with Young Justice, yeah. and that's the only way it's going to happen with Justice. And this would be something if they wanted to do this DC direct, you know, content app or whatever. Oh yeah, all these shows. This would be the place to do it. Oh, for sure. All of a sudden, everybody would be very interested in that. I man, I hope it happens. <laughs> Finally, Marvel Studios released the first trailer for 2018's Avengers: Infinity War. The video racked up 230 million views in just 24 hours. Oh God. Leading the studio to claim that it is the most viewed movie trailer of all time. I'm not really sure how they're quantifying that or if they even have the data to back that up, but yeah. it's still an impressive number. In addition, Vanity Fair ran a very revealing piece on the MCU in which Marvel Studios head honcho Kevin Feige confirmed that 2019's Avengers 4 will mark the culmination of 10 years of storytelling and the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. Avengers 4 will be the end of the road, contractually speaking, for all of the original Avengers, Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, Chris Hemsworth, and Jeremy Renner. But Feige also promised a fresh start for the mega franchise that will include at least 20 more <laughs> films. God. <laughs> While the future of the MCU will most likely feature Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and probably the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Winter Soldier in some capacity. I remember we talked about how Sebastian Stan had been signed on for like eight movies or something. Something like that. The end of the current generation of Marvel stars, we might be seeing some of these characters die. Yeah. Like Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man or Chris Evans' Captain America, paving the way for new characters to take the lead. Like what if... There's a new sure. Captain America. Sure. Or they just kill Captain America and there is no more Captain America. Right. Or Anthony Mackie becomes Captain America. Ooh. That would be cool, but I really would love to have the Bucky Cap. Uh, oh, sure. From the Ed Brubaker. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's all speculation from now, but it seems like after Avengers 4, anything goes. Uh, we're going to talk about the trailer at length in the cover to cover segment, but where do you think the MCU goes from here? We reported a couple weeks ago. 
on some speculation that Disney was looking at buying the film studio for Fox, which would... The entertainment division. The entertainment division, which would get them basically... Everything that they were missing. Yeah. the X, Essentially. The X-Men, they would get... Fantastic the Four. Fantastic Four. I think this would be the perfect place to start there. Phase four. Say, okay, we've had our huge Avenger story. Let's turn the camera to a different group. Gently. Right. The Fantastic Four. Marvel's first family. And we build up Sue, Reed, Johnny, the Hulk, the sensational She-Hulk. Think of all the characters that orbit around the Fantastic Four that you could build off of. I mean, oh my God. You could build a whole universe just based off that. Really. And you could go in that direction. Or you soft reset the X-Men. And hard reset. Well, yeah. Do a hard reset no, of the X-Men. Yeah, hard reset, I guess. And say, okay, we've got them back. We're going to do it right. Let's take a look at... The, or you do both. You do both. Okay, we've done Avengers. And the Avengers can pop up in these films. They're, I, they're off doing Avengers stuff. That's all you need to know. You don't even have to kill them. I they're, think... They're off doing Avengers sure, stuff. Sure, like, they don't have to kill them. No. I, I would be surprised if one of these... I would be stunned if either Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. did not die. In one of these next I've, two yeah, Avengers, I have movies. a feeling, yeah. But like you said, you don't have to kill them. No, they can just like walk off into the sunset, right? And let the stories be about something else, and that's totally fine with me. I think the benefit of the X Men and the Fantastic Four is they are established enough. Yes, it's like Spider Man, right? Right. Marvel Studios worked with Sony to make Spider Man Homecoming. They did not give the origin story because we've seen it played out. Sure. In Two previous reboots already. You can do a Fantastic Four movie without rehashing the origin of the Fantastic Absolutely. Four. Absolutely. You can do the X-Men movie and just pick right up. It's like Team of Mutants, X-Men, go. Yeah. I mean, you could even like you know kick in with established mutants running the school, going to find these new mutants that are going to be on the team right. or whatever. Like, I think, I think if they do an X-Men movie, they can do a, a, a movie equivalent of Giant Size X-Men number one. Sure. Where the original X Men uh, get captured and Xavier has to assemble a new group. Oh, uh, you can do and that. And that's where you get your Wolverine, your Storm. They your do Colossus. need to introduce mutants into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, but they can do that. Yeah, I mean, they I suppose, can do that. You can do that at any time, yeah. I suppose. Um, I mean, there are ways. Yeah. Right, and it's not like these are going to be the only two. Well, we're speculating. It's not like these would be the only two properties. You've also got. Captain Marvel is going to be going sure. sequels well into the next phase. Yeah. Black Panther for sure. Both of which tie in perfectly with Fantastic Four stories. Right. And I I think as much fun as this has been and as great a ride it has been to see this build up over the last 10 years. Feels like longer. Yeah. I think that if this Avengers 4, whatever it's actually called, can be a great, huge, like powerful send off. Mm-hmm. The public, not just the comic fans, but the public will be ready. Yeah, for like a fresh start Apt- and, and a different story, just like we said with Star Wars with uh, Ryan Johnson's new Star Wars. Yeah, once this trilogy once is the over, Skywalker story is over. I don't need more. Right. I want more Star Wars by all means. Daisy Ridley came out and said, she, uh, like after Episode Nine, she's done. Yeah, so fine. If that's right. the end of her story, maybe they kill her. Maybe she's evil. I don't know. Maybe she's a Sith. <laughs> Maybe she's Snook. Maybe she's secretly Snook. Oh my God. <laughs> so there is your nerd news for the week. And of course, we want to hear from you on these stories and everything we missed. So hit us up shortly here. 
at 402-819-4894 and share your thoughts on us with about these stories and anything else you want to rap about. But before we turn the show over to you nerds, Joey, it's time to play Critic and discuss a couple of this week's new comics. Why don't you lead us off? What is your main review this week? I'd be happy to. This week, I'm reviewing Batman Creature of the Night, number one, from DC Comics. It's written by Kurt Busiek, with art by John Paul Leon, letters by Todd Klein. It's 48 pages for $5.99. You said Todd, but Todd Klein, like he's been gone for a while or something. Todd Klein, it's just, you know, it's always fun to see him. He's like a big deal. Good old Todd Klein. Yeah. He's like the Dave Stewart of letters. <laughs> okay. Or something. Yeah. All right. For a, there's some inside baseball references I don't know. for you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Here's your solicit. Young Bruce Wainwright lost his parents in a violent crime, and in the real world, no superheroes exist to save the day. But as grief and rage builds inside Bruce until he feels he can't keep it inside anymore. They used inside twice in that sentence. Something strange starts taking wing in the Gotham night. Perhaps Bruce's grief isn't inside him after all. Mm. <laughs> that was unplanned. <laughs> yeah, it was unplanned. <laughs> Kurt Busiek returns for the spiritual successor to 2004's Superman Secret Identity. And as with that original series, Batman Creature of the Night takes place in a world where the adventures of DC's heroes exist only in the pages of comic books. Young Bruce Wainwright is a Batman fan that happens to suffer a very similar loss to the Dark Knight detective. This first issue features Bruce as a child in the late 1960s, ill-equipped to deal with the fact that his comic book hero might somehow be manifesting itself in the real world. Sort of, kind of. Sort of, kind of. This Bruce is young and angry, and he's unable to deal with the tragedy that's befallen him, and he's projecting a fantasy onto his life that just so happens to be real, sort of, kind of. Sort of, kind of. Busiek splits the book's narration between Bruce and his elderly uncle, who that he calls Alfred. It effectively contrasts the anger and sorrow that young Bruce feels against Alfred's inability, and it seemed maybe a little like unwillingness, maybe, to become Bruce's caretaker. Yeah, he didn't want a kid. I don't think it was so much that necessarily, but it's this is in the 60s. and Well, he was also like Busiek, an actor and stuff. Well, and Busiek like, implies yeah. that he's living the sort of lifestyle that... Yeah. The authorities frown upon giving children to, yeah. you know, it was a different time. He gay. He gay. <laughs> John Paul Leon delivers stunning artwork, thick with black ink strokes and a muted color palette of sepia tones and blue grays that helps root the story in that different older time. The legendary Todd Klein, aforementioned, provides the lettering, creating a different font style for each character's internal voice. If I had one criticism, though... It's that the cursive text he uses for Alfred gets a little taxing to read. Yeah, a little hard to read in some points, too. Like, you just really have to focus hard on it. But, you know, gay people, they love their cursive. You know, what can you do? Okay, yeah. well, we're going right there, are we? <laughs> I loved Superman's Secret Identity, but that was ultimately a more hopeful story. It looks like Creature of the Night is going to take us in some much darker places. I can't wait to read more of it. I loved it. I'm yeah. giving it a buy it. I forgot that this was... Basically, the spiritual successor to Secret Identity. It was almost kind of an afterthought with everything yeah. else that came out in the last couple weeks. I totally weeks. forgot. So I wasn't right. prepared for what I got, and I really enjoyed it. it. It was, it's weird. I don't know where it's going. We'll have to see. Sure. You know, this meta stuff, like, no, this is the real world, but then weird comic book stuff starts Right, happening. like in Superman Secret Identity, yeah. this kid who gets named Clark Kent as a joke actually gets Superman powers. Right. And I don't know if it was, I don't remember if it was ever, like, 
explained in a really satisfactory way. Yeah, I guess that's kind of where, like, I don't, I did not dislike the story at all, but there was just part of me that kept going, wait, why is this happening? But why? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And yeah, it's the same with this. I'm going to buy it. It's it's beautiful. um, It's well written. Yeah. The artwork is stunning. John Paul Leon does not put out enough work. Uh, Yeah. I don't know if he's slow or he's just doing something else, but man. Maybe he can afford to be picky. That dude's really talented. All right, Matt, let's shift gears. Tell me about this, uh, this weird, uh, sword and sorcery thing you picked. <laughs> this weird sword and sorcery thing. It's called sword it of was ages. Weird. It was weird. I loved it. It's, it's called sword of ages. Number one it's from IDW. It's written and drawn by Gabriel Rodriguez, 32 pages for three ninety nine. Here's your solicit, a mythic origin story. You never expected to see this winter. The sword will be drawn for the first time ever. Courtesy of writer, artist, lock and key co-creator Gabriel Rodriguez in a five issue miniseries adventure of epic proportions. A young woman will become the first wielder of the most famous sacred weapon of all time to champion for world survival, comma, including a legion of heroes to join her struggle against a merciless alien force. The wow. line between science fiction and magic might get fuzzy, but the line between heroes and villains will be drawn in blood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Comic creators love to revisit the King Arthur mythos. I can name you two books on the stands right now that are currently doing just that. But Rodriguez seems to be well aware of this and instantly takes steps to set his story apart not just by making his main character a heroine, but by tweaking the story just enough to keep the world feeling new and interesting and super weird at times. Here, Avalon, our heroine, was raised by sentient saber-toothed tigers after she fell from the sky in a ship's escape pod. Okay, time out. Yeah. Is she the girl from the spaceship? Yeah. Because I was confused by that. Why? I mean, they did kind of make reference to it. They called her the Morning Star. Where's her family at? We don't know. So you got launched out of an escape pod. That's all we know. But they were all together. Okay. Well, I don't know if that happened like in the pod, like baby Superman flying through. Son, I'm sending you to a planet. No, they were all like literally sitting in there. And also, uh, the kid in the escape pod was older. So, and the mom was pregnant, which means that the family crash landed and then the mom gave birth to this little girl. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, something like that, but they're not around. We know that. I felt confused. Okay. Well, anyways, time in. The little girl was taken by a biker and dropped off to the saber two tigers that raised her. Okay. And they called her the morning star because the tigers looked up and they saw this thing, you know, fly from the sky. and Sure. Right. Each summer, Avalon is taken by, by the same old biker to train at different monasteries with different combat masters. At the age of, we'll call it 16-ish, Avalon sets out with said biker to find her way in the world after feeling compelled to seek out her destiny for years. From there, Rodriguez introduces us some characters with familiar names to those who know the Knights of the Round Table, but the whole time infuses weird future tech with the magical tale of the Pendragon and the sword. The last time I remember Rodriguez's work was on Joe Hill's Lock and Key, where his art was really great. Here, he has lifted his craft to greatness. There's influences of Art Adams, Jeff Darrow, P. Craig Russell on every page. The action scenes are fluid and gorgeous, but Rodriguez also shows his understanding of pacing by giving the reader small breaks to take in his amazing landscapes. This was a wonderful first issue of a series that I can't wait to read. Sword of Ages feels like Roy Thomas storytelling on his old Conan and Elric books, but there's a very classic feel to the comic with some amazingly modern art and a story to match. I'm giving this a buy it. I did enjoy it. It's beautiful. It was beautiful. It took me about 
half the book to really get into it, though, because it's very wordy. It is wordy, yeah. Um, I mean, the story of Arthur is going to be wordy. Yeah, sure. Um, And I fully admit that this is a failing on my part, but it was not until literally the last page before I realized, oh, shit, this is King Arthur. (laughs) Are you serious? Because I guess I maybe I just glossed over the name. There's a guy named Lancelot, basically. Look, I I said it's a failing. Gawain. I. Or Gawain, or however you say it. I just was was trying to get through it. I may have glossed over some character names. (laughs) Avalon should have been like the number one clue. Yeah, that should have been a a little something. I didn't read the solicit beforehand either. Okay. Um, But yeah, once I got to the end, I was like, oh God, it's it's King Arthur. Yes. And in the back matter, and there's an interview where Gabriel Rodriguez is talking about it. They described it as King Arthur mixed with the unused uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Okay. I could see that a bit, maybe. Uh, the stuff that didn't make it into the Dune movie. Cool. And, um, well, he never made his Dune movie. It, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's like yeah. the, un, the unused right. take of, of Dune. And, um, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, I thought it was great. There's a lot going on. There was a little bit of confusion on my part with certain characters, but ultimately, I got really into it. The art is. You're dead on with your inf- yeah. the references to the influences. The Art Adams. Amazing stuff. Uh, like, Gabriel Rodriguez is a very talented artist, and he's not mimicking anybody. No, no, no. But you can see that he has learned from masters. Yes, he is influenced. And he is becoming one. Absolutely. So it's a huge buy-it for me. So there's our main reviews, but we want to hear from you nerds. We'll post these reviews on TwitterNerd.com. You can respond to us. Uh, in the review section of the THN forums or on the Facebook fan page or our own official fan page, wherever you want. Twitter, we're all over the dang place. All over the dang place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's time to haplessly rush through reviews of eight more of this week's new comics. Nerds, this is the Ludicrous Speed Run! Ludicrous Speed, go! Batman Annual number two from DC. Tom King retells the origin of the long, strange courtship between Catwoman and Batman, aided by the immense artistic talents of Lee Weeks and Michael Lark. I love Lee Weeks, and I love Michael Lark. The story takes a very unexpected and incredibly powerful turn in the final third of the issue, and the conclusion left me speechless. I mean, when Batman decides that life begins at conception, that was, was like, really, dude? <laughs> it's like, oh, God, he's a birther? <laughs> what? This is an easy contender for best single issue of it's 2017. It's not a birther. Birthers think Obama was born. No, I know. I was making a different joke. <laughs> okay. Huge buy. Giant Killers number zero from IDW. 90s sensation Bart Sears is back writing and drawing this story. And let me tell you, he is at his Bart Searsiest. Wait a minute. This isn't Giant Killer the Dan Brereton That's thing? Giant Killer. This is Giant Killer's plural. Oh. There's a little girl prophesied to kill an evil king protected by some kind of knight who disappears for a chunk of the story. A half-man, half-lion, wizard, and, of course, a gigantic cosmic twist with muscle-bound, bald cosmic entities. Zeret yeah. has a lot going on here, and it was a little tough to follow, but his art is on point. Like, he looks better than I've seen him in years. If you love Sears' art, like I do, pick this up, and the story is good. Just a bit herky-jerky. Welcome back, Bart. I'm giving Giant Killers a very strong skin. I'm actually a little... No, I didn't even give a shit about Giant Killer, but I'm a little bummed that it's not that. I loved Brereton's <laughs> Giant Killer. Super Sons Annual, number one from DC. Look, this world is a flaming bag of hot garbage. <laughs> okay, you're talking about the real world, not the world yes, of Super right. <laughs> Sometimes a guy just needs to read a team-up story featuring two dogs, a flying cat, a cow, and a parrot with the powers of Plastic you Man. She is an adult needs to read that. Right. <laughs> 
Pete Tomasi and Paul Pelletier reunite the super pets, and it was just the kind of lighthearted fun that the doctor ordered. Buy it. Yeah. It's so fun. Every issue of that book is great. Mystic U, number one from DC. This is another one I expected nothing from other than to be irked by yet another de-aged and changed character. I don't think it's in continuity. This time, Zatanna. But much to my surprise, there was a very clever plot line that led to the de-aged Zatanna joining the son of Sargon the Sorcerer and some other vaguely familiar DC magicians at the school for the supernaturally gifted. Mr. E is there as the headmaster, the Phantom Stranger, Madame Xanadu, Dr. Occult, all your favorite underused DC magic characters show up for a delightful story that's Harry Potter meets the DCU. I loved this. I love this, and I hope it lasts for more than just three issues. Buy it! John Wick, number one, from Dynamite! Writer Greg Pak nails the voice of the character and his supporting cast in the first issue of this film-to-comic adaptation, but the whole thing is brought down by some dodgy art by Giovanni Valletta. The art was bad. It was bad. The sketchy interiors are a far cry from the bold, slick-lined cover. I had to make sure it was the same artist. Yeah, but the art was bad. And I couldn't really tell what was happening in some of the panels. I love John Wick, but maybe some things just don't translate. I'm giving this a skim it just on the strength of Pac's characterization. He really nails the voices. Fair enough. Quarry's War, number one from Titan. Road to Perdition writer Max Allen Collins brings his Quarry's Hard Case novels to comics with a first issue that bounces between the Vietnam War and Quarry, our main character in Hitman, at home, which I think it's in the 70s, shortly after the war working a job on a mobster. The story jumps back and forth from Nam to America with each page, and it makes for a very broken read. It was impossible for me to engage in either story, with each page being part of a completely different plot. Artist Simon Kudransky seemed to struggle to keep up as well with some pretty stiff pencils. This was a clever enough storytelling experiment, but it didn't work for me at all. I'm giving it a skim it. Do you think that maybe it was by design that it was supposed to be broken like that? I guess. I don't know. Like they were trying to contrast against the two? Yes, they were, but it just didn't work. Darkhawk, number 51 from Marvel. In the latest Marvel Legacy one-shot, writer Chad Bowers and artist Kev Walker... Love Kev Walker. Make a yeah, make a strong case for a serious Dark Hawk revival. Based on the strength of this issue, I'd be totally into it. Walker's art is always outstanding, and the story does a great job summarizing the character's convoluted backstory while setting up the potential for future stories. The flip side, though, is that it comes with a lot of exposition, and that's bound to turn off some readers. Still, I'd be on board for a Dark Hawk relaunch from this creative team. It's a strong skin. Yeah. Aquaman Annual, number one from DC. Finally, Aquaman gets his very first annual. The only Aquaman Annual ever published. (laughs) Ever, ever, ever. This is it. Warlords of Appalachia writer Philip Kennedy Johnson gets his shot at Aquaman here. And it's sort of a vision of the future that could be. But of course, all is not as it seems. Max Fiamura is on art and he does a wonderful job. I love Max Fiamura. Wonderful job with Aquaman and the underwater scenes and the aging Aquaman and the Justice League shows up and they're all older. Hal Jordan has one arm and it's, it's his other arm is green. It's just a construct. It's so cool. This book was fantastic. I am so happy to read good annuals again. I'm giving Aquaman annual a huge buy it. P.S. All the annuals I read this week were great. They were. I've caught up on Aquaman. That book is excellent and so much better than the dumb bro we got in the Justice League movie. It's a shame. Frizzap! That is your ludicrous speed round. And 
Frizzap. That's my favorite one so far. We've done three takes. <laughs> is the sound of crypto burning a hole through an alien dog napper's ship with its heat vision, as seen in the pages of Super Sun's annual number one. I get so sick of these alien dog nappers. <laughs> this onomatopoeia of the week was submitted via our Facebook fan page by Anosianus. It might be Anyo, because there's a little accent over the O. Anyo. Anyang, <laughs> when you're done burning holes and stuff, you can submit an onomatopoeia of the week. Just hit us up on any of our social media or shoot us an email. That's twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Also, if you want to read our full reviews along with other reviews from the Love Slaves, head over to the review section of twoheadednerd.com. I've actually reworked the, the Twitter. Oh, cool. Yeah, now there's a features column hey. where you'll find things like the Marvel Lake House and I'll buy that for a dollar. All right. By uh, Ryan Mount. And then there's a review column where we'll post our shit and ludicrous speed reviews. I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah. Pardon me. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Get your, get your RoboCop Check references. it out. Great. Before we move on, Joey, what is your must read pick for next week? Next week, my pick is Jupiter Jet, number one from Action Lab. It's written by our very good friends, Jason Inman and Ashley V. Robinson. Yeah, that's right. Princess Ashley. Yeah. Art by Ben Matsuya. She's a Canadian princess. Yeah. yeah. She's uh, she's 32 pages. She's 32 for pages. She's pretty cheap. Uh, this was the book we had them on the show to discuss some months back. Here's your solicit. 16-year-old Jacqueline Jackie Johnson rides the sky on an experimental jetpack, and she does what any other teenage girl would do, steals from the rich to give to the poor. But when she steals a mysterious object from the wrong people, can she survive the robots and ray guns they send after her? Nope, they kill her in the first issue. Game over. Yeah, it's kind it's of a, a real weird way to end, series, you guys. Yeah. Jeez. Like, pages... Five through 32 are just blank. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it looks super fun. I'm excited for these guys. We're supporting buddies of ours. Come yeah. on. And I'm definitely going to check it out. You should too. Matt, what's your pick? My pick is Barbarella, number one from, Pervert! from Dynamite Entertainment, written by Mike Carey with art by Keenan Yarar. Keenan Yarar. Yarar. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Earth's star-crossed daughter is back. When Barbarella wanders into a war zone, the theocratic rulers of Parosia arrest and imprison her. A prison break is a Bruin, but now... It doesn't say a Bruin. I added that. But now that she knows what the Parosians do to their own citizens, Barbarella decides to make this fight her own. I love the original Barbarella movie because it is one tripped out, wackadoo, 60s sci-fi movie. Yeah, and oh my God, she was so hot. She was so hot. I love Mike Carey, too. I think this could be a lot of fun. Yeah, Mike Carey's good. The THN trade of the week is the curiously named The Smell of Starving Boys. Gross. Hardcover graphic novel from Self Made Hero, written by Lu Huai Fang. I'm sorry. And Frederick Peters. Peters. <laughs> uh, Frederick Peters also does the art. Louise and Peters. It's 112 pages for $29.99, and here's your solicit. Texas, 1872. With the Civil War over, exploration has resumed in the territories to the west of the Mississippi, and the geologist Stingley is looking to capitalize, together with photographer Oscar Forrest, who catalogs the terrain, and their young assistant Milton... Stingley strikes out into territory that might one day support a new civilization, but this is no virgin land. As the frontiersmen move west, it becomes clear that the expedition won't go unchallenged. Stingley has led them into a hostile region, the native Comanche's last bastion of resistance. The smell of starving boys is an intense western 
about the clash of two worlds, one old, one new, one defined by rationality and technology, the other by shamanism and nature. Damn. Now, normally, this book probably would not have made my radar. Yeah, you're not Western guy. I'm not Western guy. Um, I've never heard of Frederick Peters. P-E-E-T-E-R. Right. Peters. Uh, self-made <laughs> hero. I don't know that we've ever even looked at any of their stuff. Yeah, I don't think. However, I, don't know. Uh, I saw several of our friends posting about this online. Okay. Jason Sachs did a piece on it oh, for his site. We trust that guy. Uh Roderick Ruth, the man that can't be stopped, was super excited that Frederick Peters was putting out a new graphic novel. And I was like, oh, we should probably check it out. All right. So it's new to us. People are excited about it. We're going to check it out. So those are our must-read picks for next week. Of course, we want to hear from you nerds. Hit us up anywhere. Facebook, Twitter, all over the damn place, as we said we are. Yeah, we did. All over the damn damn place. place. And let us know what you think we should be reading on this show. Normally at this point, we would stop working all together and let you nerds take over the show. But instead, we are pleased to announce that Cover to Cover is getting its own slot on our YouTube channel where you can see the full uncut show. What you're about to hear is just a taste of the fun we have each week. And if you want to play along, you can follow us on Facebook and tune in to our Facebook Live Cover to Cover show every Saturday morning from 11 to 1230. We set up the news, we set up the discussion, and then you can call us at 402-819-4894 or click our call now button on our Facebook page and we'll wrap with you live on the internet. Joe! It's dangerous. It is. Before we get started here, can you please reset the question of the week? This question of the week came from our buddy Joe Bankus, a.k.a. Casual Comics Guy on the THN forums. What is the best adaptation of a comic property to another media? TV, movie, radio play, video game, etc. Viewmaster. Viewmaster, yeah. yeah. Remember those? Yep. All right. Please let us know how you define best, whether that means truest to the comics, best representation of the spirit of the character, best representation of like comic book sensibilities, etc. You get the idea. Sure, sure. And defend how your choice fits the bill. Thank you for calling. Two-headed nerd. Cover, cover. Caller, who it is? JD got to catch them all. JD got to catch them all. Somehow I knew it would be. You are very good at getting in first every week. It's amazing. <laughs> Someone out there is like, screw this guy. How does he always do that? <laughs> like I said, it just works with my schedule. What do you want to rap about? Uh, well, just first of all, welcome back, guys. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Uh, but uh, I want to talk about not the question of the week per se, but uh, adaptations. Uh, they just announced the cast for Umbrella Academy. Yes. Oh, I did not the, see this. The full cast, yes. Okay. The full cast, yeah. Well, I mean, full cast is in basically the, the members of the, the, umbre- the Umbrella Academy. Right. right. We don't have Hargreaves or, or, or the monkey or anything yet. But, uh, but yeah, I was just wondering if you guys had seen that and what you thought of it. You know, I, I saw the list of names, but I didn't recognize any of the names other than yeah, other than what's her face the, from Juno. Uh, Tom Ellen Hopper, Page. I yeah. recognize that name. I mean, like, I don't know. They're, yeah, I guess I'm with Joe here where I don't know enough about these actors. Oh, yeah. I was just saying, like, Tom Hopper played Billy Bones on Black Sails. Right. Uh, if you ever watched that pirate show. Yes, I uh, did. And he was also briefly on Game of Thrones, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, I guess. I, according to news IMDb, I don't watch Game of Thrones. So. Emmy Raver Latman was in Hamilton. Huh? Yeah. There you go, Joe. Oh, yeah. hey. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Tom Hopper. He played. Um, he was. Uh, he was the son uh, of. He got killed in that last big battle. Spoilers. Holy smokes. Come on. Oh, come on. If you haven't watched it by now. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was uh, Sam. Sam Tarley's brother. Yeah. And he's going to be the guy with the gorilla body and the human head. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I, think, nice. I think that'll be good. I do too. But yeah, I'm excited for the show. I mean, I think it's going to be awesome. It's one of my favorite comics. It's one of my favorite of comics time. too. And it's one that should very easily lend itself to a show. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Like it, there, there were more, if you haven't read the umbrella Academy, you absolutely should. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's the name of the writer? I can't say his name. Suddenly Gerard way, uh, Gerard way, Gerard way, lead singer of my chemical romance. Formerly. They <laughs> no, don't, they're, they're still not a band. together anymore. I don't think, I think they're still a band. No, I don't know. Yeah, they are. Still, they are. They're still a band. They still tour. Maybe I just, and that was the whole hopeful. reason I would not read it. Cause I was not a fan same. of my chemical romance. Absolutely. Like, no, not same. Doing it. And then yeah. I read the umbrella Academy. It is one of the most heartfelt, wonderful, human oh, yeah. superhero stories I've ever read about four kids all with these different abilities and their father that raised them has just passed and he treated them their whole life basically as like a science experiment. It's, it's essentially mm-hmm. the Doom Patrol if the Doom yeah. Patrol were all adopted by the chief. And now how they're dealing with their father's passing and oh, yeah. it's wonderful, wonderful story. I remember, I remember when it came out, I was telling people about it and everyone was like, I, well, I don't, it's just going to be another celebrity vanity project comic book. And I was like, yeah, no, you don't realize Gerard Way interned for DC before he was a rock star. Yeah, yeah that's true. You know, was a rock star was his second choice. <laughs> now he writes stuff that I can barely understand for DC, but I still kind of like Doom <laughs> Patrol. <laughs> it's, uh, I'll give him that. Yeah. I can't tell you what's going on in it, but I do still like it. <laughs> so like, yeah, I remember when I, I saw the list of names, and of other than Ellen Page, I didn't recognize any of the names. Obviously, she's playing the white violin. Yes, um, but I remember my first thought being uh, David Castaneda, and I immediately confused him with Dan Castanella from The Simpsons. Oh. <laughs> I was like, man, that's a weird pick. <laughs> it's like Homer Simpson is going to be on the team. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think though, with some of these sh- comic book shows, when they cast them, I. I think sometimes having a cast of people that you don't immediately recognize is not necessarily a bad thing. No, I, I, prefer, I prefer I it. much prefer yeah, it. I, yeah. Uh, like the Justice League movie, um, I'm sure we'll talk about that with somebody at some point, but um, oh, Avengers as well. The Marvel Cinematic Universe had this problem with Robert Downey Jr., yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and well, yeah, they did, and it, the same thing happened when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman. Everyone was like, oh, yeah. "Holy cow, really?" And then they prove you right. Yeah, but it's a it's a heart a bigger hurdle to get over when you're casting a well known right face as uh, as ben a character. Ben Affleck as Batman. Ben Jason Affleck, Momoa as exactly. Aquaman. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Um, well, and I think with I think with Umbrella Academy, I think they cast they put their big name in the right place. Yes. Of with Ellen Page putting her as the villain. Yes. Right, and arguably she's the main character of Umbrella Academy. Yeah, if there is yeah. one. I suppose. Yeah. So. Though her appearances in the comic are actually pretty slim, I mean, there's there's entire issues where she doesn't appear. Right. Hmm, that's it's true. more just sort of about her, I guess, and yeah, like right. You know, it's like how they they sort of like their orbits around her story, more or less. Right. So yeah, so yeah, I'm kicking you. Thank you very much for your call, JD. It's always good to talk to you. I'm glad you brought that up. 
I did not even notice right, well, that casting rumor. I appreciate that. Well, welcome back, guys. Uh, I should have some more Lake House reviews up and running. Oh, uh, I, did you? Get... Is there already one in the hopper, Jeff? That I missed the Happa? The Happa? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a there's a Doctor Strange one. I'll go in there and get it up. There we go. You can read JD Ketchumall's stuff on our site. He has a uh, a review section called Reviews from the Marvel Lake House. Tales, tales from the Marvel Lake House. Tales from the Marvel Lake House. Branding, get your branding straight. He lives in the past about six months because he reads off the app. And he's dead. Don't tell him. Okay? We don't want to spoil it for him. (laughs) Thank you so much for your call, JD. I I got to say from this standpoint, you know, I think... Brian Michael Bendis is doing amazing work with Marvel, and it would be a shame if we ever lost him. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> I know. God, God bless my Aunt Bendis. <laughs> May he live forever. Thanks for your call, buddy. Woo! I think it's about time to wrap it up. I think it's time to wrap it up. We had a ton of fun, though. Thank you to everybody that called, everybody that played along. You can tune in next Saturday, like I said, borrowing, barring any iOS bullshit that we had to deal with today. And... You can call us at 402-819-4894. You can talk about any comic book nerd related stuff in the news. I don't care if it's video games, TV, view masters, movies, music, whatever you want. Case paintings. That's what we do here. We And this show is going to live on our THN YouTube channel, Uncut. We're going to take a little best of section. And It'll we'll- be a little bit cut because <laughs> we were all... We had a lot of problems that I probably not, need to get Well, yeah, out. I mean, but I'll cut all that out. And we'll just use We're not going to edit out any content. No, 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 no. So that is where you will go to see that. You can get some snippets on our show as we're going to tease other people to tune in and play along. Without you guys, we don't have a show again. Thank you so much, and we'll be back to do it again next week. But for now, this is the two-headed nerd. No, for now, we need to set up the next Oh, one. yeah, before we go, I'm sorry. Good Lord. Jesus, it's been a week off. And I already forgot. Joe Patrick, give these kids the new question of the week to chew on. Until next week. All right. This question of the week comes from Black Scorpion, the three via the THN forums. He asks, rather, he proclaims, there's a seventh Transformers movie in production. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Michael Bay's career is devoted to ruining something I loved as a kid. Pardon me. Thank the Allspark. The Allspark. Yeah. Yeah. Tell all our one. Who's your comic book Michael Bay? Slayer of comics that you cared about. So somebody that took something you loved, rolled it around in the mud, dropped it in the toilet, and then flushed it away. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Gave it weird testicles for no reason. See, and that's my Michael Bay is Michael Bay after what he did to Godzilla, I guess. So <laughs> did he make Godzilla or was that Jerry Bruckheimer? Uh he was behind it. It was like Roland Emmerich, I think. But they all came out of that same school. Bruckheimer they're and Emmerich all the and same Bay. person. It's the, a real Akira Yoshida CB Sabolsky yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. No, they're like a human centipede. They crap into each other's mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. Yuck. So there's your question. You can call us, you can leave a message, or you can call us live next week, or you can send us an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. It ain't over yet. That's right. It's the return of the rotating segment. So far, we've got one. So far, we have one. We'll have to come up with some more. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason why we bring this guy on board. It's because he's smarter than us. The official THN historian, Mr. Jason Sachs. He is going to have a little segment called, Who the Hell is This Guy? That was a segment that actually started it all for you and I. Remember that? So many years ago, when our lips first touched. Remember? Um, We're doing it for that toy podcast. 
<laughs> I remember it differently, but okay. <laughs> DC has a book called The Terrifics coming out. Jeff Lemire is writing it, and it features a bunch of B-list characters that some of you might not know. Jason is going to tell you about one of my favorites right now, and his name is Metamorpho. Take it away, Jace. I'm Jason Sachs, author of the American Comic Book Chronicle for the 1970s, 1980s, and the 1990s. Welcome to Who the Hell is This Guy? There are some comic book characters who always seem to be around, but who always seem to be on the periphery. They're on the edge of the action, as filler members of super teams, including to please longtime fans and creators while allowing readers a tease about the deep cuts of DC history. One of these characters is Metamorpho who will be returning in January as part of the Terrifics, part of a group of oddball, mismatched heroes. Oddball, mismatched, those are terms you can definitely use for Metamorpho. Metamorpho was created back in 1964 and first appeared in The Brave and the Bold number 57 right at the tail end of that year. Editor George Kasdan created the character. He remembered, quote, The basic premise was a man with a bodily ability to change himself chemically. Editors Jack Schiff and Murray Boltonoff also threw in some ideas about the new character before madcap writer Bob Haney took over. Haney named the character and developed the character's origin. Sarcastic adventurer Rex Mason is transformed by the mysterious Orb of Ra, love that name, into a strange-looking humanoid creature with mismatched arms, legs, and face, and the uh, power to change into different chemical combinations. Mason was graced with an interesting supporting cast. There was scheming magnet Simon Stagg, Simon Stagg's beautiful daughter Sapphire, who loved Rex, and resurrected caveman Java, who loved Sapphire and hated Rex. Uh, the story uh, got into little background details about why Rex was created and how he's brought it forward in time, but none of that's really important here because it's kind of dropped after a while. Andy and Kajdan recruited the artist Ramona Fraden to draw the strip. Fraden had just gone on maternity leave after the birth of her first child but came back to design the look of the character and draw his first few adventures. Kajdan knew Fraden because she had drawn Aquaman for a number of years for him in Action Comics, and then uh, obviously left to have the baby. The characters ran for two issues as tryouts in The Brave and the Bold before Metamorpho No. 1 premiered in, in mid-1965. The series became a cult hit for its irreverent style and for Fraden's empathetic artwork. Unfortunately, Fraden left the series after issue four to care for her young daughter. Replacement artists Joe Orlando and Sal Trapani did their best to keep the comic going, but the series only lasted 17 issues, ending in 1968. Last couple issues are actually very interesting. They take this kind of goofy premise of the story and throw it upside down by uh, making Sapphire run off with a different man and making Rex jealous, and there's this great kind of murder mystery plot. 68 was a weird era for DC and heroes. Um, that's when they transformed the Blackhawks into campish uh, superheroes, um, made the, the metal men into the new hunted metal men, and started to transform Supergirl into kind of a mod heroine from the 1960s. Uh, rumors of a cartoon series never materialized, though DC did actually advertise it in their pages. Even Metamorpho's appearance in Justice League number 42 in early 1966 was oddball. The title, Metamorpho Says No, should give you an idea of how he saw JLA membership at the time. After all that hubbub, the character kind of fell into the background. He appeared fitfully. 
You uh, occasionally guest starred with Batman and the Brave and the Bold by the time that comic uh, moved to be a team-up book. You appeared in a series of dull sh- backup short stories and pages of action comics. There's also a fun uh, one-shot issue of the 1970s anthology first issue special that reunited Haney and Frayden for just kind of a nostalgic one-shot. Uh, in 1983, Mike W. Barr, who was a longtime fan of the character, included Metamorpho as a member of the Outsiders. And he's remembered a, remained a constant member of that team over nearly all its incarnations. As a part of that team, he's always been a dependable guy, sarcastic and often frustrated, but also a powerful teammate ready to fight for his friends. He's also a member of Justice League Europe in the 1980s, fulfilling pretty much the same role there and 90s. Uh, other than those appearances, Metamorpho has had a couple of mini-series that were decent enough. 1993's Metamorpho includes some fairly okay writing by a young Mark Wade. Well, not the best artwork. 2007's Metamorpho is just a basic Dan Jurgens joint. In the end, Metamorpho is one of those oddball DC characters who usually seem to be in the background, providing heft to a super team while happily playing a supporting role. Hopefully, he'll have a more interesting new role in the Terrifics, because I love that kind of romance wildness that was in the early issues. I think it could actually work really well in a contemporary comics world. Hope you enjoy the segment. See you next week. Bye. That is it for THN number 469. If you dig podcasts... I would love to let you play along unless, you know, Apple decides to uh, put a bullet in our show's head. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Ooh, good news on that front. Okay. Uh, the S- Stitcher situation has been resolved. All right. Uh, the long was, national nightmare is over. There was a problem with the feed. Uh, we set them straight with the new feed. Thank you, Max. All right. And the app is already up to date with all of the current episodes. Kick butt awesome. Kick butt awesome. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send a senses-shattering thank you to everyone that supports us on PayPal and Patreon, like Marcus Rolf. Yeah, my sous chef. Sous chef at the Blackstone Meatball. Well, apparently paying too much. I guess so. You can't <laughs> give him a. You can't give him a pay cut now. We need that sweet cash. Without you nerds, Matt can't afford to pay the money that Marcus just turns around and pays back to us. It's, it's a real true. like Ouroboros yeah, situation. Weird. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to former love slave, Tony Mathers, RIP, who starts his dream job as an electrical engineer this week. Dream job? What a nerd. Word to you, Tony. <laughs> hey, he'd been he'd been toiling in a job that he took out of necessity for years, and now he gets to do what he's always wanted. It's true. Good for you, Tony. Living the dream. Look at you. You were just a just a little boy when we first met you, and now you bloomed into an electrical engineer. You better watch it. He'll yeah. kick your ass. He's a jujitsu <laughs> master. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just decide to Y2K your podcast. Whoa. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. <laughs>